This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio crime, which you can find every Wednesday at relicradio.com. Our first story this week is from The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. It's The Quiet Magpie, his story from August 11th, 1950. After that, it's The Trouble with Tanya, January 7th, 1964 episode of Walk Softly, Peter Troy. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road. Those who travel it wind up in the gut of the prison of the grave. There's no other end. But they never learn. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in... The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Now, with Gerald Moore, starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's transcribed story, The Quiet Magpie. That's a lie! A deliberate, dirty lie! Counsel, will you restrain the defendant, Mr. Calloway, from making another such outburst? Proceed, Mr. Keaton. Thank you, Your Honor. As I was saying, ladies and gentlemen... In further proof that Vincent Calloway murdered his father, Homer Calloway, in cold blood, the state has established that a violent hatred existed between them. A hatred that crystallized through the years as Vincent Calloway grew from a pampered, coddled, only child into an indolent wastrel of a man, content to lavish on himself the profits from the Calloway Oil Company, his father's business, without once lifting so much as a finger in the firm's behalf. That's not true! I worked in the... Counsel for the defense will advise his client that the court will not countenance another interruption of this sort. Thank you, Your Honor. A hatred, ladies and gentlemen, that reached explosive proportions when Vincent Calloway recently took as his bride an ex-showgirl. A woman with a long and tarnished history of flagrant fortune hunting. A woman whom he flaunted in the face of his father's expressed wishes and deep desires to the contrary. Further, the state has proved that just two days prior to his murder, Homer Calloway had decided definitely to change his will. Why? Why, other than to eliminate his son from its benefit? Court requests that the prosecution confine itself to the facts. Continue, Mr. Deasy. Very well, Your Honor. The facts are eloquent enough. Homer Calloway was murdered before his desired changes in his will could be executed. Next, we learn that on the night of the murder, a desperate effort was made by the killer to cloud the real circumstances of the crime by setting the scene to look as though Homer Calloway had surprised a common thief, robbing his private office. This clumsy attempt was at once proved by police officers to be completely fake. The motive was robbery, all right, but on a grand scale. Now, ladies and gentlemen, 
Let us proceed to tighten this web of proof around Mr. Vincent Halloway. Let us show beyond any doubt that it was he... There was no doubt about it. Vincent Calloway was losing the fight for his life. Zeehee, the crisp tab colored assistant Z.A., was cutting him to ribbons. When they called Felix Lohman to the stand, I turned around and took a good look. Because it was Felix Lohman who had telephoned me earlier and hired me to come to the trial and be on hand when he testified. He was a tired little man with a jaded cherub face who got up and walked unsteadily down the aisle to the bailiff's table. He acted like a man on the verge of collapse. Are you uh, all right, Mr. Lohman? Yes. Yes, yes, I believe so. Raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear the testimony you're about to give to be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God? I do. State your name. Felix Lohman. Take the stand. Now, uh, Mr. Lohman, will you please tell this court what your association with the late Homer Calloway was? Why, yes, sir. I was Homer's best friend for many years. I was his personal advisor and confidant until I... Mr. Lohman, the man's ill. Get a doctor. No, 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 that that won't be necessary, sir. It's nothing, really. I have a friend here, Mr. Marlowe, Philip Marlowe. He'll help me. Is there Mr. Marlowe here? That's the way it played. My client was helped to his feet, and as I half carried him out of the room, I heard the judge adjoining court for the day. All the way down to my car, Felix Lohman stayed as limp as a damp bedsheet. But the minute we drove away, he began a recovery that couldn't be credited to the fresh air alone. When we got a few blocks west on Wilshire Boulevard, a smile spread over his cupid doll face like warm syrup over a waffle. That's a good restaurant. Pull in there, Marlo. All right. Mmm, I, I feel like a piece of pie. <laughs> uh, now, look, Mr. Lohman, not ten minutes ago, you were dropping dead in a courtroom. Now you feel like a piece of pie. What is this? Come on, let's go inside where we can talk. All right. My performance at the trial was a fake, a delaying action, I know, a bit for time. Oh? And believe me, we need all the time we can get. To do what? To save young Vincent Calloway's life. How about this food? Oh, yeah, sure. So you think he's innocent, is that it? Why? I've known Vince since he was just a boy. Mm. He's no killer. Couldn't be. It's, it's completely alien to his nature. Well, from what I heard in that hard-boiled court today, you'll need a little something more tangible than that, Mr. Lohman. I've got something. Care to see the dinner menu, gentlemen? Uh, no. Just a big piece of cherry pie and a glass of milk for me. Yes, just sir. coffee, thanks. Now, Mr. Lohman, sell me. According to the D.A., Vincent had plenty of motives. Oh, he hated his father, all right. We all did, one time or another, Marlowe. And got hated right back, too. Homer was that kind. I, hard, lonely, lived on work and nothing else. But the rest of that motive stuff... You mean about the will? Exactly. Ah. Vince expected several years ago to be cut out of his father's will. He was resigned to it. So that's out of the motive for Vince. Well, aren't you forgetting that was before Vince married a very expensive little plaything? Yeah. Maybe she changed his economic philosophy. Uh-huh. Now you're getting warm, Marlowe. But you're still a little off. How do you mean? The girl's name is Joyce. Yeah. I'm sure she couldn't change Vince that much, not to drive him to murder. But I'm also sure that Joyce herself would try anything. Well, that's where you come in, Marlowe. Something fishy, my boy. 
extremely fishy. Yeah, yeah well. Okay. Uh, that's fine, thank you. Now, uh, tell me, what's fishy, Felix? Are you trying to say you think Joyce is a killer? I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that item one, Vince was worried about her for, for some reason a few days before his father's death. So? So, when this mess broke, I checked up on her myself. Mm-hmm. Followed her home a few times. That's at 2313 North Ogden. Mm-hmm. And item two, I saw a man hanging around the place. A fellow with two gold teeth right in front and dark. Five o'clock shadow, a kind of whiskers. I followed him once. Know where Angel's Flight is? Sure. Uh, that's where I lost him. But I learned that his name is Stoner. Stoner, huh? Mm-hmm. What about item three? Blackmail. I don't know how or where, Marlowe, but it's there. Oh. And Vincent's caught in the middle, and good and tight. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've got to find out about this. Ah, I wish I could go along, but Joyce knows me too well, and... That stoner has spotted me also, I'm afraid. So I guess it's up to you. Okay, I'll get started. I can reach you where? Home. That's stone 3962. And Marlow, I'm just an old fuddy-duddy. But that boy Vince means a lot to me. And time is awfully short. Give us your best, will you? I left little Felix Lohman ordering a big piece of cherry pie and went outside. It was almost dark. I decided to try George Calloway on the North Ogden Drive sector first. I finally located number 2313, which was neatly hidden in a series of obtuse redwood angles surrounding the rose-headed glass front door to an extravagant duplex. I was about to push the buzzer when the door closed at the side of the house. So instead, I stepped back into a dense clump of handy landscaping and waited it was a man, and enough light filtered along the walk from the street lamp to show his heavy dark beard even after a fresh shave. The light also glittered off a pair of gold teeth front and center, but he whistled through as he passed. Whatever had happened inside obviously hadn't worried Mr. Stoner much, but it began to worry me. I decided to take my chances on picking him up later. After he'd gone, I went up to the door again, and the girl who walked through the entrance hall and taught me soft and as glossy as a well-brushed kitten. Maybe it was her yellow shoulder-length hair or the flowing folds of the black velvet hostess gown. In either case, it was even better with the rose-colored glass door out of the way and the unmistakable scent of taboo in its place. Yes? What do you want? You're Joyce Calloway? That's right. I'm Marlowe, Mrs. Calloway, Phil Marlowe. I'd like to come in and talk to you a minute about your husband. Vince? Mm. What about him? It'll keep long enough for us to go inside, huh? Well, well, all right. Come on in. Yeah. This is my apartment. Now, what is it? Well, first, I'd like to congratulate you. The moral support you didn't give him today was real great. Busy shopping to drop in at your husband's murder trial? Why, you... (laughs) Okay, baby, I asked for it. I didn't go because Vince said that he didn't want me to. Now get out. And the next time your lousy district attorney's office wants to find out something, you can tell him... Just a minute. 
I'm not from the DA. I'm strictly freelance. At the moment, I'm interested in a small matter of blackmail and how a man named Stoner ties in. I don't know what you're talking about. You'd better get out of here. Now, listen, baby. I'm tired and it's late. I want to know about Stoner. I don't know any Stoner. Okay, let's make it easy. He's a bird with a heavy beard and two gold choppers, and I just saw him leave by your side door about five minutes ago. Does that help? You're crazy. There's been nobody else in here tonight. Now, 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 get out of here. Sure. Sure. You know, Joyce, you're either awfully dumb or awfully scared. I don't know which. But neither one is going to pay off for you. I promise. Starting at Angel's Flight and working west, it took three solid hours of scraping through the scum on Bunker Hill before I got a lead on a guy named Stoner. And another hour went by before I actually found the swayback three-story rooming house he called home. The scaly front porch was a clutter of big, rusty bird cages and the mangy inmates of which complained as I eased the rickety front door open and pushed my way into a moldy smell thick enough to chew. The ragged row of tin mailboxes said Stoner's room was second floor rear. So I started up. I got as far as the landing when I heard a voice in the hall above. I went on slowly until I could see. It was Stoner. He was back to me talking on the whole phone. I got my 38 in hand and listened. Yeah, well, uh, well, uh, listen, Joyce, don't worry, I'll take care of him. Yeah, I'll be watching for him. Yeah, I'll make it just like I said, only remember, it's not good for us to be seen together now. So be careful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Goodbye, Joyce. You didn't start watching fast enough, Stoner. Who are you? I'm Marlowe. The guy, little cutie pie, just tipped you off about. Don't move those hands, Stoner. I just left to collect that mouthful of old gold you're wearing. You're no cop. What are you going to do with me? What's your angle? I'm going to spill the truth out of you, Goldine. Keep an innocent guy from taking the rap for a murder you and his own charming wife cooked up. What makes you think I'm connected with that? Maybe I've got eyes in the back of my head. That's so? You ain't got eyes in the back of your head. Because if you did, you'd duck. Oh! See what I mean, Milo? <laughs> Thanks, pal. Let's get out. In just a moment, the second act of Philip Marlowe. But first... Although the intention of the entire world is now focused on the critical situation in the Far East, there are still tragic remnants of another war in Europe. There are still hungry people, children who need clothes. There is still sickness and the ever-present misery and poverty. Now as before, it is your job to help these people. Help them through your generosity, through care. One $10 care package can feed and clothe an entire family in France, in Italy, in Germany. Send hope to these destitute peoples of Europe by showing you care through care. Now with our star, Gerald Moore, the second act of Philip Marlowe and Tori, the quiet magpie. The feeling of being hit from behind becomes more or less routine. There's an explosion against the back of your head. Your backbone is suddenly electrified and your legs melt. 
Then a chunk of the floor rushes at you from a cockeyed angle. Where it connects, there's a second explosion, and you start down that long black corridor. Very sick to your stomach. Yeah, it's routine, all right. But that doesn't make it any easier every time it happens. I rolled over onto my back in that musty hallway at Stoner's rooming house and forced my eyes open. As I did, I felt a stinging pain like a pinprick in the center of my spine. Then as things started back into focus, I saw a beer bottle gripped in a fat, freckled hand that belonged to a fat, freckled face that peered into mine. It started a conversation just before I could get the pinprick in my back. Well, 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 look what the cat has dragged in. And who are you, chum? The jewel tea man. You need... Oh, oh, my back. What's the matter, chum? A little gold ornament. Well, you busted rolls onto it, chum. Yeah. Whoever slugged me must have dropped it. What is it? It looks like a bird or something. Yeah. A magpie in flight. Looks like it broke off or something. Probably a pin from some babe's handbag or bracelet or... Or it's yours, maybe, huh? Well, if it was alive, it might be. Birds are my speciality, or ain't you noticed? Oh, you're the landlord here? Yes, that's right. So now back to you. Who are you, chum? Now come you're folded up in my old way. Well, it's a long story, and I won't keep you from your birds with it. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Now, don't let the Audubon pitch throw you, chum. I've got a couple of hobbies. Like sticking your nose in other people's business? Like bending noses that get stuck into my business. So clear out, chum, and stay out or you'll see what I mean. Uh, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever you say, bird lover. After all, this is your nest. So long. I figured it would play smoother if I left my tail between my legs and waited for him to return to his birds and beer. So outside, I let ten precious minutes go by before I made my move. Then it was around to the back of a lopsided, rusted fire escape and in through an open window to Stoner's room. There I hoped something would tell me where he was going to meet Joyce Calloway. But after wasting another ten minutes, it turned up nothing more than the two-word Gate L scribbled on the back of an old envelope, which could have meant airport, train station, or bus depot if they meant anything. I went for the hall phone I'd overheard Stoner use and put through a call to my client, Felix Lohman, to bring him up to date. with, of course, everything backfiring when Vincent was arrested for the murder. But look, Mr. Lohman, we'll add and subtract later, huh? Right now, we got to catch up to him. Yes, but where? You, you said Stoner got away. Yeah, that he was heading for a meeting with Joyce Calloway. See, I got one thing to go on. I found the words Gate L scribbled on an envelope. Do you have any idea if it would mean a train but depot gate, or a bus? Gate L? Yeah. Marlo, is that what you said, Gate L? Yeah, yeah. Does it mean anything to you? Of course. Gate L, Marlowe. It's at the oil refinery, the side entrance on Lafayette Street. Holy smoke. Say, Loman, what's the address of that place? It's uh, East L.A., isn't it? Yes, 1100 South Cooper between Kendall and Lafayette Streets. Covers a square block. Uh-huh. Now, look, Loman, do you have a gun there in your place, I mean? A gun? Yeah. My yes, I, I do, Marlowe. Well, good. Get it and go over to the refinery right away. I may need someone who knows the inside, the names and numbers of all doors, windows, and pipes. You got that? Yes, but why not the police? Because they come with bells on. We can't take a chance. All right, just as you say. I'll be waiting for you. Good. I'm closer than you are there at Angel's Light. Goodbye, Marlowe, and 
Now, Reggie, why without you... Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it later, Mr. Loman. Goodbye. And to me, I'll Oh, fine. Don't move an inch, chum. You'll get this beer served, bottle and all. Now, Nosey, what made you come back? Buried treasure. You see, it's up here, I know. One of your little birds now, told me. Now, shut up. You never smart bloke. You're an housebreaker. And anything I do to you is okay with the law. Now, what's with you and Stoner? Why, do you keep a diary? No, a neat bank balance. And all of it comes from cutting in on the right thing at the right time. So once more, chum, what's with you and Stoner? Well, you see, we went to the same prep school, and I promised the headmaster I'd always keep an eye okay, on... Okay, Snoopy, you asked for it! The light got... I figured right, bird boy. Bum aim goes with a bum temper. We're only just beginning, sweetheart. It's black in here like a pit. When I get my hands on you, you're going to be sorry. You hear that? Well, talk up. Talk up. Come on, yellow belly. Let's hear from you. Come on. Okay. So it's hide and seek, huh? No. Head the game, bird boy, and you're it. Now listen to the birdies sing, chum. It was a 20-minute drive from Angel's Flight to the Callaway Oil Refinery in East L.A. and all the way through the wide, deserted streets of the city's heavy industries called home. After three tries, I found the sliding gate marked L. On one side of it, and folded up like a marionette on his day off, was the night watchman. Unconscious, blood oozing from a small cut on the side of his head. And inside, thousands of square feet of pavement dotted with a dozen different kinds of massive black metal oil tanks that were ringed with fat pipes and skinny ladders. And in the pale glow of a half moon looked like the kind of distorted stuff bad dreams are made of. I slipped my thirty-eight out of its shoulder holster. Moved into the narrow shadow of a long, low building and slid a careful step at a time toward a center structure. It was shaped like a giant fishbowl on stilts. And then I heard it. It had come from someplace just under the fishbowl. As I ran toward it, I was ready for what would be left of Felix Lohman. And I started to curse myself for ever letting him come on ahead on his own. But when I was close enough to where I could see, I quit calling myself names. Felix Lohman was there all right, but very much alive. Alive and holding on tight to a smoking revolver that was still pointing down at the crumpled form of Stoner at his feet. Stoner, who was very dead. Marlo, Marlo, she's up there. She has a gun, Marlo. Look, up on that platform behind those pipes. Hold it, Loman, get down. But, Marlo, you must... Get down. She's got cover up there. We haven't. I don't care. You rotten, scheming woman. You are going to pay for all this. You are going to die even as you killed Vincent's father. Yes, yes, Mrs. Calloway. There's no other way out for you. It's too late for you and your lies. It's your end, Joyce Calloway. And then you deserve... Oh, fool, she'll get you, Loman. You louse. It'll be your life, Loman, if you don't drop that gun. Well, dear client, what's your answer? Do you drop it or do I shoot again? No, no. I'll drop it. What you say? Okay, George, come on down. Get a good look at your husband's benefactor. Who incidentally murdered Homer Calloway, murdered his accomplice Sona here, and tried to murder you. My shoe. No, for a smart guy, you're pretty stupid, Loman. You should take better care of your cufflinks. 
A gold magpie shines in the moonlight, especially when you extend your arm to shoot people. Uh, Mahalo. Here. Here, Loman's the mate, the one that broke off in the hallway at Sona's place. That much of you can still be patched up. Now that Vincent's lawyer has heard it and the police have written it down, the press has printed it, how about me? I don't follow it. For instance? Well, Felix Lohman killed Homer because Homer no longer had any use for him. But with Homer out of the way... And I... Vincent in this place, Felix would be set. Your husband, he could fool. Yes, but the way the whole thing boomerang... Oh, that was just I... bad luck. You see, he staged a robbery at Homer's office just to throw the law off. Oh. Well, it didn't. But more than that, it almost nailed Vincent. With me. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, the second house. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. oh, what was the blackmail? How come? Well, that was Felix again. And out of whole cloth. You see, if Vincent lost his trial, Felix lost everything he killed for. So using Stoner, he had me playing follow the leader. Like Stoner pretending to have just left my place when you arrived. That's right. Oh. That and Stoner setting everything up nice and neat. You see, he was on the phone all right, but when he knew that I was there, he pulled the switch. And very carefully planted the name Joyce. He did? Uh-huh. And last of all, Stoner being killed by Felix and no longer had any use for him and had a lot of reasons to fear him in what was supposed to be self-defense. Get it? Get it. Uh -huh. He gives you a little to go on and then a lot more each time you get there. Yeah. At the right moment, he brings you in with a phone call that tells you to come at once to the refinery. Oh. If you want to help Vincent. Oof. How close I came. Yeah. Well... Thank you, Mr. Marlowe. <laughs> Correction. Thank Mr. Magpie. It told me that Felix was the one who dropped me in the hallway at Stoner's, remember? Oh, yes. That made adding the rest easy. Yes, but how fast you add when it counts. <laughs> well, good night, Mr. Marlowe. Thanks again. By the time I pulled up in front of my apartment on Franklin, the black in the sky had started to melt into a slate gray. And my eyes ached for the long sleep that... <sighs> they had come. Well, I sat there for a minute. I lit a cigarette and I thought about birds. Did you, did you ever stop to think how some people remind you of birds? For instance, the landlord. If ever I saw a vulture in pants, he was it. And and my client, Loman, a hawk with horn rims. And Joyce. A powder pigeon. And then there's Marlowe. I wonder what kind of a bird I am. <sighs> a dead pigeon. Adventures of Philip Marlowe, bringing you Raymond Chandler's most famous character, star Gerald Moore, are produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and written for radio by Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt. Featured in the transcribed cast were Harold Dierenforth, Lynn Allen, Wilms Herbert, Charles Lung, Bill Johnstone, and Ralph Moody. The special music is composed and conducted by Richard Arant. <laughs>
Be sure and be with us again next week when Philip Marlowe says... This time, an eager young kid took a beating in an alley. A lobster face began to boil and a pair of month-old corpses got together. All because a woman in a dark tunnel kept a secret that didn't belong to her. Most of us approve of saving for a rainy day, but these days it's hard to have enough left over to save. It's easy to put off the saving until tomorrow, and that tomorrow never seems to come. The best way to make yourself save a little every payday is to join the payroll savings plan where you work or the bond a month plan where you bank. Money invested in United States savings bonds today will make possible many dreams for tomorrow. So arrange to save with United States savings bonds. Remember, automatic saving is sure saving. Every Friday night, CBS brings you stories taken from the files of parole boards of the 48 states with only the names changed. These stories give in detail the events of a criminal's life up to the time he is up for parole. Then, before you hear the board's decision, you can make up your mind. Is this man ready to be set free? It's been hailed by press and public alike as an outstanding anti-crime show, and you can hear it now by staying tuned, because Up for Parole follows immediately on most of these same CBS stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where you find songs for sale every Friday night at the Columbia Broadcasting System. private investigator means two things. You can be sure you'll run into trouble, and you can never be sure you'll get out of it. Well, there's not much you can do about it, I guess, except, like Julie always says, Walk softly, Peter Troy. And now, Peter Troy investigates the trouble with Tanya. Julie, the gal with the signature tune, she's the one who fights the unequal battle to keep me on the straight and narrow path. And you'll meet her again. But in the meantime, there's a blue-eyed, statuesque dame with hair as black as sin that I want to introduce you to. She's a living doll. But you're not going to thank me, because Tanya means trouble. You'll be up and about in next to no time, George. Next to no time. I'd like to believe that, Tanya, but... It's just that I don't seem to be getting any better. The doctor said you're just fine. I spoke to him. And it was very considerate of you, my dear. You're important to me, George. And you are important to me. You'll find that out what one day. <coughs> George? Those tablets on the side there. These? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me one, please. Certainly. Hurry, hurry. You know, George, I've been wanting to talk to you about your will. With the tablets. You're a very rich man, you know. Oh, Tanya, please, Tanya, unless you give me one of those tablets. What, did you hear me? Why are you looking at me like that? Tanya! Tanya! <laughs> 
Tom. Uh, Harriet, what's the matter? It's Mr. Castalia, ma'am. What's the matter with him? I, he's dead. Dead? Are you sure? I, I just went into him, bringing him afternoon tea. Ring for Dr. Townsend, quickly. Oh, yes, ma'am. Tanya. Yes, Adele? He's dead. I heard it. Was it... Was it... Did I kill him? I should imagine it's what everyone will want to know. George Castalia was dead. The famed multimillionaire impresario was very dead. A man with a stack of enemies and very few friends. The question was, as Tanya, his very attractive ward, had already mentioned, did he die nice and quietly, or was he murdered? If the latter was the case, then it would seem that there could only be one logical suspect. Tanya Castalia. Oh, no. Oh, yes. She's in the outer office waiting to see you. Am I in? Uh, she's tall, raven-haired, and with the biggest pair of blue eyes you've ever seen. So I'm in. Mm-hmm. I rather thought so. Uh, Miss Castalia, Mr. Troy will see you now. Thank you. Scream if you need anything, Pete. Oh, bless you. Oh, don't mention it. Uh, won't you sit down, Miss Castalia? Thank you. You can guess why I'm here, Mr. Troy. No, well, the newspapers have a story. I was reading it just before you called. Famed impresario's mysterious death. Your father... My guardian. George Castalia looked after me following the death of my own parents in 1946. Uh-huh. The police refused to give out any details about the cause behind my guardian's death. Well, that's, uh, strange. Still, they must have a reason for it. Yes, they have. I suppose they believe he was murdered. Hmm. And if that's the case, then I'm the logical suspect. I see. You see, it's common knowledge that there was no love loss between George Castalia and myself. On top of that, I'm his next of kin. And as he left no will... How do you know that? His solicitor told me. Oh. George Castalia didn't like wills. He said they reminded him too much of death. Nevertheless, his estate will come to me. He took out formal adoption papers in 1947. Okay, so where do I come in, Miss Castalia? I think it's only a matter of hours before the police arrest me. They'll charge me with his murder, but I didn't kill him. Well, then surely this... But I'm the only one who could possibly gain by his death. Oh. I want you to prove that I had nothing to do with it, Mr. Troy. Nothing at all. Well, now, the odds aren't altogether in your favor, are they? No. Is there anything else you have to tell me? No. Now, think carefully before you answer. I'll take the case, sure, but you'd better be warned that I only deal in the truth. Now, if you're innocent, you have nothing to fear from it. But if you're guilty... The truth will hang me. Exactly. So if you're holding anything back, you'd better spill it out now. <laughs> I have a horrible habit of ferreting out people's secrets. Mm. Very well, then. That's better. I was the last person to see George Castalia alive. And? And I need his money. Desperately. I think you're out of your head. Oh, that's nice. If the police find out Castalia was murdered, then obviously the girl did it. Obviously? Well, if you ask me, she as good as confessed to you. 
She merely said she was the last to see him alive. She needed his money. And there was no love lost between them. You know, come to think of it... Oh, Pete. Okay, but why don't you retain my services, honey bun? It makes a good cover, don't you think? Yeah, but it also pays a couple of bill collectors, too. And there was nothing phony about that hundred pounds retainer she handed me. Hmm. Well, I've got that old feeling again, Peter. Huh? Oh, why don't you just stick to insurance claim cases? Because they don't pay so well. But you live longer. Live fast, die young, and have a handsome corpse. Well, you'd better slow down. Otherwise, you'll be the proud owner of that handsome corpse before you're ready. Oh, that looks like Castalia's house over there on the hill. Hmm. There must be a drive around here someplace. Place looks like a castle. Look, sweetie, look for a driveway on your side, huh? Uh. Oh, a hundred yards further on. I think there are some gates there. Where? Oh, yeah. Oh, Pete. Yeah? Uh, let's turn back. Huh? Oh, now, listen, sweetie. Oh, this feeling. We need the dough. Oh, I don't think it's worth risking your neck for. Well, here we are. Oh, gates are closed. Simple. I'll open them up. Oh, Pete... Relax, please, Julie. I think there's someone watching us, Pete. It's a free world. Oh. Well, the gate's not locked anyway. Let's open it up and drive in. Oh. Mr. Troy? Huh? How do you feel now? Like I've been blown up. You had a narrow escape. Hey, I was blown up. Someone had booby-trapped the gates. Why aren't I dead? I don't know, Pete. But I think we ought to say our fond farewell. Mr. Troy, Who are you? My name's Adele Lester. I'm... I was Mr. Castalia's housekeeper and private secretary. Hey, where's Miss Castalia? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Miss Lester says that no one's seen Tanya Castalia since she left here yesterday to come up to London. To see me? But she told us she was coming straight back home. I'd venture to say that by now she's probably on her way to Europe. What, skip? I think that's what they call it. Well, the police... I've told them she's disappeared. Weren't you a little premature with that assumption? I don't think so. Now, look, Miss Lester, I wonder if you could rustle me up a cup of coffee. My head feels like it's suddenly going to leave my shoulders. Coffee would have anchor in, I think. Certainly, Mr. Troy. Thank you. Oh, that woman gives me the shivers. Oh, she's not the sort of girl you take home to meet mother. Hmm. Now, listen, as soon as we've settled in, make some inquiries about the place. Hmm. Down the village, maybe, huh? Find out if anyone's seen Tanya Castalia today. Find out if she did come back. Pete, what are you getting at? I'm very nearly cast in my chips, remember? Hmm. Somebody doesn't want me around the place. If Castalia didn't die a natural death... Then, then that someone could be the person responsible for killing yeah. her. Yeah. And our number one suspect is uh, Tanya Castalia. You think she did come back? I wouldn't know. They could easily hide an army in this mansion. Well, I had the horrible feeling there was someone watching us back. Mm. Now I have the feeling we're still being watched. Oh, the door over there, look. What? Relax, Troy, and oh, put that gun oh. away. Inspector Caswell. Didn't they tell you I was investigating this case? If I'd known that, you I... You down here by invitation? Yeah, and you know it. And trouble with you, Troy, is that you won't take any hints, will you? You know about the little mishap I had at the main gate? Yes, I do. Well, I could have been killed. Oh, no. What do you mean, oh, no? It was a nasty explosion, but there wasn't enough power behind it to kill anyone. Evidently, it was designed to scare you. Well, in that, it succeeded. You know, you ought to take the hint. 
I was paid a retainer by a client. Ah, yes, yes. And Miss Tanya Castaglia. Oh, you're a mine of information, aren't you, Inspector? Well, now you can hand the lady her money back. <laughs> That'd be rather like asking Peter to part with his right arm. She retained me to clear her of... Uh, of what? The murder. What murder? Oh, for heaven's sake, George Castalia's. Mr. George Castalia died naturally, Troy. He suffered a heart attack. His doctors have been expecting him for some time. Well, well, I'll be... And you can tell your client to come out of hiding now. As there's been no murder, there can't possibly be any suspects. Can there? I wasn't going to leave the Castalia household, no matter what the inspector would have me believe, until a couple of very important questions were answered to my complete satisfaction. Now, firstly, if there was no murder, then why had somebody gone to all the trouble of booby-trapping the gate? Secondly, if George Castalia had died naturally, what was Inspector Caswell still doing at the scene? Now, I think maybe the delectable Tanya could have answered the questions if she'd been there. But she was another query. Where the devil had she gotten herself to? No murder, no suspects. No sense in your hanging around the place, Troy. Ah, you're just a little bit too eager to get rid of me, Inspector. Oh, no, I just think you're wasting your time, that's all. Inspector, if you aren't a staunch upholder of the law, I'd be inclined to believe that maybe you had something to do with that firework display at the main gates. Oh, no, you have a suspicious mind. Yeah, well, once we're on the subject of suspicious minds, would you like to tell me why you're still here? No. He's so cooperative. Personally, I think we should take the Inspector's advice and go home. Oh, I couldn't do that, Julie. Wouldn't be ethical. No, I have to find my client and return her money to her. Incidentally, Inspector, is my client the only person who gains by Castalia's death? Well, he had enemies. I suppose technically they all gained by his death. Yeah, but specifically, though. Your client. And? Castalia's secretary. Ah. Something in a will, perhaps? Yes. Now, that's strange. Tanya led me to believe there was no will. Really? Then she was under a misapprehension. She ought to be told. No, she will be, when we find her. Oh, she's not in the house. We've searched. The grounds? No, not yet. Well, then you won't have any objection if we have a look around? No. Oh, and one last thing. Oh, yes, Troy. The mysterious will. Where is it now? I'm afraid I can't answer that. Why not? Because its whereabouts is a bit of a mystery. No one quite knows where it is. Or if there really is one, I'll bet. Exactly what are you looking for, Pete? I'm just trying to figure out whether or not that booby trap was meant for me. Huh? Yep, here's the gimmick. You pull back the gates to a certain distance, and that pulls this wire, which leads to what used to be a detonator and charge. Hmm. Caswell was right. It's only meant to scare me or somebody. Well, I'd settle for Adele Lester as being responsible for the little surprise packet. Oh, you could be right. Hello, what are we here? What are you staring at? Look, through oh. those trees. Caught the reflection of the sun on glass. Window pane, maybe. Now, I think there's a little house or something tucked away in there. Anyway, let's go and have a look-see, huh? Oh, please. I know. You're getting that old feeling again. 
Hey, there's an old path here. Hasn't been used in ages. It's overgrown. Oh, you're right. It is a house or, or a lodge. And it looks deserted. Uh, looks, my pet, can be deceiving. Oh, in this case, I hope they're not. Well, uh, do we knock? No, I don't think it's necessary. Just stand back, sweetie. Mm. I'm going to kick in the door. Here we are. After you. It doesn't seem like there's anybody in residence. Pete? Huh? There's something wrong. Oh, now listen, no, sweetie. No, this isn't intuition. This is fact. Huh? Well, there's not enough dust around. And when you kicked in that door, it didn't creak. Hey, you know something, Julie? You're right. So let's get out. Now, wait a minute. Julie, you go back up to the house, find Caswell, and ask him to lend you a torch. Oh, now, I... go on. Oh, you're the boss. Julie? Julie, is that you? Did you close the front door? Okay. Who is it? Come on, now, no games. I know there's somebody there. Is he... No, he's not dead. You can't do anything right, can you? The bullet creased his skull. He's out to it. All right, then finish the job. I can't risk another shot. They could hear it up the house. Well, then what? The well. Push him down there, and that'll be an end to him. Well, hurry, then. Let's get the snooper out of the way. For good. Yes, we found it near the main gates. It's hidden from the drive. That place is empty. Well, Pete doesn't think it is now. He wants to borrow a torch. Crazy interfering fool. Oh, Inspector, please. Oh, all right, but I'm coming with you. Well, let's hurry. Oh, come on, then. Oh, you're taking the long way round. Here, follow me. There's a path back this way. It's the one Mr. Castalia used to use. Castalia used? Yes, the lodge house used to be his hideaway. He made the place into a study. Well, then that explains the door that didn't creak and the lack of dust around the place. He used it right up until the time of his death. Who knows about the lodge house? Well, I knew about it, and Tanya most certainly did. What was that? It sounded like a splash. The old well. What old well? There's a disused well over beside the lodge house. It's very deep. Yes, and it sounds as though Troy's fallen down into it. <laughs> never find his body down there. Since I thought I heard someone coming. Uh, your imagination's working over time. Come on, let's get back to work. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to find it, Vince. I don't think there is a will. Oh, of course there is. I witnessed it, remember? It has to be around here somewhere. It has to be destroyed. But he always said he disapproved of wills. He said they were morbid. Then he changed his mind. After he learned about your many gambling debts, my love. He didn't want Adele to be left out in the cold. He wanted her provided for. <laughs> With three quarters of the estate. Uh, she worked for him a long time, you know. Oh, that darn thing must be hidden in here somewhere. 
why he refused to keep it at our office, I'll never know. Perhaps because he didn't trust what the hold it. Why? A lady who next you out to terminate a private investigator's services finds some other way of doing it, will you? Oh, and incidentally, drop that gun, mister. I'll guarantee I can empty this revolver of mine while you're still thinking about pulling the trigger of yours. Now, that's better. How did you get out of that, man? Just relax. Be my secret for the time being. Uh, you, I take it, would be Tanya's ever-loving boyfriend. What? Oh, don't look so surprised. I knew there had to be a man tied up in this case somewhere. I'll tell you something else, too. Your ex-royal engineers. You're guessing. <laughs> a pretty good guess, huh? How did I know? I was in Korea, Buster. I've seen booby traps before. The one you rigged to the gates was a pretty professional sort of job. As professional as George Castalia's murder. I shouldn't do that. Perhaps not. But it was a murder, wasn't it? Would you shoot a woman, Mr. Troy? What's that got to do with it? Just this. I'm standing right in front of you, and Vince is going to pick up his gun. Now, if you want to stop him, you'll have to shoot me. Get out of the way. Too late, Troy. Get him, Vince. Not on your life, Tanya. I'm getting out. Lady, you've been ditched. He can't get away with this. He just did, and you're left holding the bag. Well, they can't prove anything. I've got him, Sergeant. Well, it would seem that your boyfriend's just ran into some trouble. Oh, uh, I did forget to tell you. It was Inspector Caswell who pulled me out of that deep well. I'm sorry, Miss Castalia, but Mr. Eldridge is dead. We had no option. He tried to shoot it out. He double-crossed me. By running out on you. Did he say anything before he died? No, but I think you ought to do some talking. About what? About how you murdered George Castalia. He died of a heart attack. True. But he needn't have done. You know, he could have survived it. He'd been given one of his tablets. And you were the last person to see him alive. All right, so he had the heart attack whilst I was there. But I I couldn't help him. I I didn't know where the tablets were. They were on the table beside his bed. Uh, I didn't see them. Oh, you saw them all right. And you picked them up. Your fingerprints are on the bottle. No. Seems to me you deliberately held them back from him. You can't prove anything. Well, maybe. The judge and jury will think differently. It wasn't my idea. Was it Eldridge's? Yes. Yes. All right, Sergeant, open the door and let him in. Let who in? Me, Tanya. But they said you were dead. An unethical lie, but it seems to have done the trick. All right, but it was still his idea. He was George Castalia's lawyer. He knew about the will, but, but he didn't know where to find it. If he had come to me, I could have told him where it was. You mean to say he didn't hide it? Well, he didn't hide it down in the lodge house anywhere. Tanya, you said you were sure it was there. It was under his pillow. You were within a foot of it when you were upstairs with him, Tanya. Oh, my, my. You made a lot of mistakes, didn't you, Miss Castalia? Yes, and the biggest was bringing Troy in on the case. Yes, why did you do that? Oh, that's easy, sweetie. She thought if the police discovered it was murder, then they looked to her as the logical suspect. She knew the will stipulated that three-quarters of the estate was to go to Miss Adele Lester. She knew that I'd find out about that will eventually, thereby giving the police another suspect. Then why try and scare you off? Uh, Because we made no official statement about Castalia's death. But we uh, put the rumor around that we were sure he died of natural causes. Then, of course, Tanya was scared that I'd snoop around until I found out the truth. And you always seem to make one mistake, don't you? I do? Mm Mm-hmm. You never seem to remember to walk softly, Peter Troy.
Tanya and her boyfriend, Vincent Eldridge, had searched the lodge house for nothing. The carefully laid and almost perfect Bertha plan came unstuck. Oh, I, I uh, didn't refund a retainer to her. I figure she doesn't need money where she's going. Board and lodgings are on the house. But I did get a nice, handsome check from Adele Lester after that missing will was read. She thought I needed some compensation from the ducking I got down that well. <laughs> and as Julie says, 50 pounds buys an awful lot of ice cream. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Case Closed this week. I hope you enjoyed our stories this time. You can find more from Philip Marlowe, Peter Troy, Case Closed, thousands of other old-time radio episodes, and all the other Relic Radio podcasts at the website, relicradio.com. If you'd like to help support this and all of the shows, you can do so through the website as well. Your support makes all of this happen. I can't do it without you. Thank you to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. <laughs>